Hello and welcome to this episode of Great Quarter Guys. I'm Anthony Smith, lead economist here at Freightwaves, and I'm joined by the one and only Tony Mulvey. How are you doing? Doing well, Anthony. How are you? I'm well. Great to have you back in studio. I know we were a little bit slightly remote last episode. It was a success, but it's always good to have you here in studio and, and team up on this one. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. Long trip, finally done. So Perfect. So this is Great Quarter Guys, as I mentioned, where the lines between freight and finance and tech are none. And we are your hosts for this evening's show. And so before I jump into it, there are some special individuals I have to thank because they're helping make this show possible. So diving into it, we have to thank DDC. DDC FPO. So this episode is brought to you by DDC FPO, best known for freight billing. DDC is a business process outsourcing provider that specializes in freight, now offering customs brokerage processing. Discover how DDC can help you clear customs faster at ddcfpo.com. So special shout out and huge thank you to them as well. And we have a special guest that we might do a part two that I'm looking forward to um, this afternoon as well. But we're going to jump into real quick some of the updates because we have some breaking news, Tony. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about this because we saw some Night Swift activity. What happened? So Night Swift uh, entered to agree uh, entered an agreement to uh, buy Rack MME Holdings, so parent company to Midnight uh, Midwest Motor Express, also Midnight Express Truckload Carrier. So expanding on their LTL uh, purchase, uh, continuing that purchase. Uh, momentum that they had starting with that AAA Cooper uh, acquisition early, announced earlier this year. So some interesting stuff, uh, some exciting stuff, obviously seeing that footprint, uh, the LTL footprint in, uh, develop and seeing how they're, how they're taking that, uh, that approach to the LTL market. So with this acquisition, because there's sometimes where like you see an acquisition that comes out of nowhere. Does this one make sense to you? Yeah, it does. So my initial thoughts on the acquisition itself is uh, it makes sense. You see here in a minute, we'll pull up their network map and kind of see how it fits in with that AAA Cooper uh, acquisition. But what we've seen is uh, here, uh, the map on the screen, uh, we see Min- uh, Midwest MME, uh, as it's known, uh, Operates a lot in the Midwest, upper Midwest, out all the way to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, AAA Cooper primarily in the south, deep south, southeast. Uh, so it expands that footprint. Uh, so not really a surprise to see them go after uh, some uh, a footprint outside of what AAA Cooper provided. Yeah, so when we're looking at this, what do you think the big reason is to have this expansion within the LTL space? Well, one, I think LTL, uh, as Todd Maiden wrote in his article covering this, it is a little more defensive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a play into the real estate market uh, that the truckload carriers don't necessarily have. I mean, if you think about it, they're moving from shipper location to shipper location. Uh, LTL, you're moving more regionally, uh, have a lot of those cross docks, things like that. So definitely more in in their network, in uh, gives them some of that space, so expands their uh, real estate footprint, things like that. Then you also have the rate side of things, uh, which we have a second chart that yeah. kind of shows how contract rates are pretty stable uh, compared to uh, truckload rates. So that, that's another one. Uh, so you get those high barriers to entry with the real estate, and then you also got pretty stable rates, a uh, little more complicated, I would say, to yeah. price LTL freight. I mean, you have the different classes. You have to cube out a truck. Uh, 
so a little more difficult than maybe a standard truckload where you're buying all of the capacity, you're just buying a part in the truckload. And, and so I think that's a great point there, the market and the market perspective for the expansion. So it seems like the market is willing to pay a higher multiple for LTL, is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at historicals, right, you look at the big pure play, uh, your ODFL, your SIA, you look at those multiples, I think last 12 months, it was like 26 times for ODFL yeah. is what they were trading at. And Asaya uh, was like in the 16 to 18 range. Uh, so this deal was right at that five times e, uh, the EBITDA uh, multiple. So on the surface, it seems fairly inexpensive to grow that that uh, footprint in the LTL space. Yeah, I, I, I think this is awesome. So because you put together some notes on this as well, and I was kind of going over through it because you brought out a lot of great points. And one of the points that you made was, that they're able to expand within the space for relatively inexpensively. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at even their acquisition of AAA Cooper, they paid 10 times yeah. uh, EBITDA or adjusted EBITDA. This one, right, just under six times. So, I mean, on a multiple basis, it is relatively inexpensive. And then you factor in that they did, so at $150 million, if you looked at Knight Swift's balance sheet at the end of Q3, they had about $254 billion on the balance sheet uh, in cash and cash equivalent. So they definitely were flush with cash. I mean, yeah. obviously, look at the market and see rates over the past mm-hmm. year. Uh, truckload carriers should be doing pretty well. Uh, so it gave them an opportunity to grow, uh, which obviously Wall Street wants them to continue doing. They clearly liked this move. Uh, I think you saw the stock price yesterday up about 4% yeah. initially on the news. Uh, so obviously it was investors were happy with it. So I think that's a, a good sign and we'll see what they do. I mean, what do you, I mean, what you looked at the map, you saw yeah. where it was, there's two glaring spots where they, there's room to, to go after. So, yeah. I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, do you think we're going to see this continuation of the expansion of this LTL, like into the LTL network? I think so. I think it makes sense because it great, brings up a great point. We saw the activate earlier on in this year. We saw this move here. Now, when you look at that map, like you said, there's two glaring parts or two glaring regions where there is room to expand. And it makes sense for them to move into those areas. And so it's only maybe a matter of time. And like I said, when I asked you earlier, were you uh, you know surprised or shocked by this? No. And now it really makes sense because you can really kind of outline and pinpoint some of these moves. And so I wouldn't be too surprised if there are certain LTL networks kind of trying to position themselves to look a little bit more appealing to be, you know, acquired. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that makes perfect sense. And I mean, you look at, uh, I mean, just you get the Northeast, which does move a lot of freight. I mean, you look at Harrisburg, right? It's the third largest market in the country uh, in terms of outbound volume. So, I mean, if you can get up into that footprint, I mean, it, it lends itself a little better to LTL than full truckload moves. I mean, you're not, sending a truck up there in, into Maine yeah, yeah. Isn't, isn't that desirable. So, I mean, you think about that. I mean, the LTL space uh, has been a boom because mm-hmm. of uh, e-commerce and things like that. I mean, you've seen XPO spin off their logistics network to focus on being an LTL per, pure play. Uh, so seeing that activity, uh, not really a surprise, would anticipate them to grow. Uh, but it's obviously they're going to have to go after something uh, the after something that makes sense within the network and also at a reasonable price. I mean, you don't want to go out there and overpay, especially when the market 
right now is as hot as it is. I mean, you you run that risk of yeah. Uh, market comes down and you've just overpaid for something that's not worth it. And so. are stuck holding the bag, so to speak. Yeah. So this is a very big bag to hold. Yeah, for sure. it is. So, I mean, you're talking hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars. So, uh, but Night Swift, I mean, they're obviously very good in the truckload space, very well run. Uh, so would anticipate similar aspects to be, uh, to come with the LTL moves. So yeah, interested to see what they keep doing. Uh, so definitely 100%. And, and I think, I have a few more questions around the LTL space that I think we can really kind of dive into for some conversation. But really, I, we, we, we're going to shift gears here because we're going to have a part two to uh, a series that we started off last week. We were talking about Brexit. We were talking about some of the outcomes, some of the unforeseen things. And we have a special guest with us here. We have Chris Curtin. He is the head of customs and logistics services over at the DDC group. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks very much for having me back. Of course. I mean, it was great conversation, Chris, and I have to apologize because I was so excited to jump into this this talk on the part one. But for this part two, um, could you give us a background about yourself and, and what it is that you're doing over at the DDC group? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I'm a fairly recent addition to the DDC team. Um, I have spent uh, the last 20 years working in freight forwarding um, and the customs environments. Uh, so I spent 10 years working um, at various freight forwarders based in the UK. Um, and then the last 10 years of my career, I have spent working for uh, what we in the UK call a CSP, which is a community systems provider. Um, and predominantly what they do is they provide customs inventory systems that enable the compliant movement of import and export trade through UK frontiers. So um, as part of that role, I was exposed to uh, a lot of um, government um, uh, communications and, and forums. Um, and uh, yes, was, was well placed, um, but very fortunately well placed to, uh, to, to, to be able to speak directly to, to, to government, both uh, national and local, um, and then subsequently all of the stakeholders in, in the supply chains that use the ports that we covered. Yeah, I think that's a great um, point. Yes, uh, and uh, in terms of uh, what I'm doing at DDC, so obviously uh, we have seen that there's a fantastic opportunity to to really help um, a lot of uh, UK and European importers, exporters, and, and customs brokers um, with the services that uh, that you know the mature services that we already provide uh, elsewhere in the world. And, and one of the things that that's stuck out to me is how you kind of mentioned in, in a way some of the layers of the things that are necessary to really kind of make all this happen. So when you're talking about being uh, involved with customer or commercial management, there are just so many layers, so many processes. And when you're looking at something like what you're doing right now at DDC Group, there are so many layers and there's so many processes that really have to be in place and really exact in order for, you know, you at the DDC, DDC Group to do what you guys do so well and really making sure things are moving quickly and smoothly. So, Chris, it's, a, it's an honor to have you here. We're excited to have you here and, and continue the conversation. So before we were talking about, you know, Brexit and some of the implications um, that there might that might come out of Brexit, you know, maybe some of the things that we aren't thinking about. One of the things I want to just kind of, you know, pick up from where we left off is what are some of the other challenges um, in the UK freight and customs brokerage industry uh, that will that will likely be faced over the next 12 months? 
Uh, yeah, um, so I think obviously we did cover a lot of on Brexit last time. Um, you, were, you were kind enough to have me. Um, so over the next 12 months, there are a number of additional challenges that are coming up, some of which um, are still a result of Brexit, uh, some of which have absolutely nothing to do with Brexit at all. So, I mean, I think probably segueing in from our, our last session, um, a couple of, of elements that are Brexit related, but... Um, you know, um, still still need to be to be borne in mind is um, the introduction of the the UK's new goods vehicle movement system or GVMS. Um, this is going to become much more prevalent um, throughout 2022. It is in use at the moment, but predominantly for goods moving between GB and Northern Ireland. Um, but really, the risk to to um, UK traders or at least people with with operations in the UK is that you need to understand if you're going to have to use GVMS based on the trucking companies and ferry operators that you use to move your goods between the UK and the EU. Um, I touched on very briefly last week um, that um, there are um, new uh, there's, sorry there's a new customs model um, that has been implemented um, for Brexit, um, which is called prelodgement. Um, and this differs significantly to the existing customs model that um, that has been in place throughout the UK for many years called temporary storage. So GVMS will enable traders to use this new pre-lodgement model. Um, so therefore, this is why it's so critical to understand if you are an importer or an exporter, um, even if you're operating your own trucks or if you're subcontracting that out to a third party, um, you need to understand if your goods are moving through a port that maybe only uses this new GVMS system or if there is the option for you to use GVMS or an alternative. Um, effectively, don't get caught out, otherwise your, your freight's going to be delayed. Um, another one of the changes that's coming up that will, will probably cause a few challenges and headaches for people, um, and again, this is slightly related to Brexit, not slightly, sorry, it is related to Brexit, that's the fact that the existing uh, pre-notification system for sanitary and phytosanitary goods uh, traces has been replaced by the UK's own system, which is called IPAFs, um, and this is going to affect traders um, who wish to import uh, products of animal origin, for example, or high-risk food of non-animal origin, um, that you're going to have to make sure that you're signed up for the new IPATH system and that you understand how to use it in order to um, continue to move those, those types of goods through the UK border. Um, and then on to a couple of uh, completely non-Brexit related um, uh, uh, challenges that will be coming up for 2022. Um, the first one, which is not just going to affect the UK, it affects absolutely everyone, is the World Customs Organization's uh, revised HS tariff codes are coming to, into effect as of the 1st of January, I believe. Um, so check that you're not affected by the HS codes changes before the end of the year. Um, because you might find, that obviously, if you have goods in transit or in movement, sorry, um, prior to the end of the year, um, that are, are, are only then due to arrive another, in another customs territory after the turn of the year, then the tariff code may have changed and your goods will get stuck at the border if you haven't got the correct one. Um, and then a very UK specific uh, challenge that is also coming up in the next 12 months is that the UK's customs um, system called Chief is being replaced by a brand new system called uh, Customs Declaration Services. Um, now, the key date for people to bear in mind for that is that um, by the end of September 2022, all import declarations must be made on the new Customs Declaration System. And the significant change there is that it uses a different um, Customs data model. 
So there are quite some quite significant changes around the data elements um, uh, that are included on the customs declaration and the way those data elements are provided. Um, and exports will have to be migrated to the new HMRC CDS system by the end of March 2023. So certainly plenty to think about for, for people uh, in 2022. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, that there obviously seems like there's a lot of challenges out there. Uh, I guess one thing, how can DDC help navigate these challenges and mitigate the risk uh, that comes with them? Um, yeah, good question. Um, so uh, in my opinion, uh, domain expertise um, in not just customs processes, but freight movements in general is going to be critical in order for any company to respond to these upcoming changes. Um, we're very fortunate at DDC that we've got a great team that's got extensive knowledge and experience in providing services to customers with both simple and complex uh, customs processing and freight requirements. Um, so whether it be data capture um, and auditing for customs declaration management or accurate classification of goods using customs tariffs, all the way through to customer contact to manage the life cycle of shipments as they move through borders, we've got the experts to be able to deliver the services that fit your needs. And then even if you do have that domain knowledge, there could be the requirement for you to scale up your operation in order to meet the additional uh, burdens of, of extra customs declarations that particularly EU and UK movements are going to, to be subject to. Um, and we can provide you with that dedicated resource that enables you to deliver those uh, stable, sustainable and scalable services to both internal and external customers and stakeholders. So obviously we're not just thinking about whether or not you, um, you know, you're, you're maybe a small or medium enterprise company um, and you're providing direct services to, to customers. You could be part of a logistics team working within a very large enterprise um, uh, uh, entity that obviously has to deliver on those, those SLAs and services as well. The risk of not having a dedicated team to serve your freight and customs needs is that obviously the simple is, is that, that simply your your freight might end up getting stuck. That's going to cost you money in terms of time, um, effort, um, and uh, and any other challenges that you might have. So partnering with DDC is going to enable you to save all of those overheads and ensure that you can stay ahead of the challenges that 2022 is going to bring and keep your shipments flowing freely. Yeah, Chris, I think you highlighted quite a few uh, really crucial things there in that because I think uh, that's the area that a lot of businesses can't really, you know, convey their value. And I think you really capture the value there uh, incredibly, I should say. So really being able to accurately um, apply all of these different things is because if you miss out on one aspect of it, it seems like it can be a, a complete headache in order to really kind of get it to move forward. And then on top of that, it's not just being accurate with one time thing, but being able to scale. And that's really the name of the game and really being able to be successful. So Chris, thank you so much for, for joining us, breaking down some of the, the headaches that might be ahead for some individuals if they're not already planning around some of the changes for the next 12 months and, and being here for us on this part two of this interview. Thank you very much. Awesome. So looking at this, I mean, this is going to be one of those things where I would be just incredibly happy to have someone else to partner with because I couldn't imagine working through all of that because it, as he kind of listed through, I'm just trying to remember all of it, of all the regulations, all the new systems, all the things that go into it. 
and then making sure, like you said, not that it's just accurate, but now you have to be able to scale that. It's just an incredible process altogether. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're changing systems or anything like that, it, it's difficult, not a not necessarily an easy switch. So having a partner there uh, should definitely be a benefit to uh, all shippers and anybody that has to, to move goods into or out of the UK uh, with Brexit. So good 100%. stuff from him. 100% great stuff as indeed. So when we're looking at this, I mean, we had to get that that part two in because we didn't want to leave it on, uh, you know, uh, open-ended because there was just so much to get to. But we have a couple of minutes here and I, I really want to be able to kind of continue the conversation around LTL. And so one of the big things that you mentioned as a driver for LTL, of course, is e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Where do you see that trend going, I guess, in 2022? I think personally, like my thoughts on it, I mean, we've seen this vast acceleration. We've seen, but it's, I don't want to say it's slowed down, but it's kind of plateaued a little. Yeah. I mean, we're we're still up. Uh, I mean, you look at non-store retail sales. I mean, they're still crazy high. Uh, so I just don't know how much faster we're going to grow. It's almost like the last 18 months pulled a lot of this forward where we were headed. Yeah. And now it's like we're waiting on that next like acceleration, next innovation mm-hmm. around the e-commerce space to see that that continued growth. So uh, I do think we'll still see strong e-commerce numbers yeah. in terms of year-over-year growth or things like that. I doubt we see what we've seen in the past 18 months, just how fast we've grown. So, yeah. so slowing growth, but still at these elevated levels. And it's similar to, I mean, you look at the truckload market. We've right. seen slower, or, I mean, volumes have come down, but look where they're at compared to 2019. We're, what, 40% higher than we were then? Yeah. So it, it's it's like we saw all this growth and it's almost like there's nowhere else to grow where it, we can't get any higher. Yeah. And I think, I mean, when you look at the trend that's happening right now, especially with e-commerce, one of the, the areas I start to kind of think about for sure is not the momentum, but yeah, around the momentum a little bit, but also in the acquisition space. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at, you know, building out and investing and the trend that's happening right now, I start to think, is there an overinvestment for the current growth pace that we're seeing right now? And is there going to be an overinvestment for certain companies or certain instances where maybe you're planning for this infrastructure that would have been really useful during the peak rate of growth, but not really going to be needed or, you know, come to uh, fruition during this current, maybe slower pace, but still at an incredibly high rate? Yeah, I think there's definitely that risk. I mean, you've seen... I think the big one, you look at some of these retailers that have gone out and purchased logistics companies. Yeah. I mean, American Eagle purchased a logi- two logistics companies in the last six months. Uh, Ashley Furniture, the largest furniture uh, retailer in the country, just bought a trucking truckload carrier. Uh, I think they announced that either last week or the week before. I mean, you've seen this massive investment and it's like, well, if we're already up this high and it doesn't seem like we're going necessarily higher, yeah. are we spending money that hey, maybe we don't need to, but I also get it from their perspective, right? You don't want to be uh, caught out there again, like with what happened in 2020, where the market went crazy and then you're stuck overpaying for everything. So I I get wanting to have uh, some of that protection. Yeah, I think that's a great way to phrase it as some protection. And I think that's the thing that's really kind of happened out of this pandemic has really brought supply chain from like this thing that's pushed to the side for a lot of companies, a lot of shippers potentially, like, hey, this is a priority for us. So I think that's a great point there. But Tony, thank you so much for joining me. 
and, and, and teaming up with me on this Great Quarter Guys episode. Great to have your insights. And of course, we have to give a huge shout out to Chris Curtin and the folks over at DDC FPO. Um, the show is every Tuesday afternoon. I think we shoot, what, 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time? I think so. What's up? Yeah, join us there. <laughs> and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find us on, of course, tv.freightwaves.com and anywhere that you subscribe to your podcast. So be sure to check us out there and send us a subscribe. So we'll see you on the next episode.